Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So if Joe Biden wins the US election, he can marry whichever bachelorette he wants, right? My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'd love you to be divorced from reality with me right here on Big Squid. My guest for today's show is the co-host of the world-class podcast, The Dollop and Point Versus Point. It's comedian Gareth Reynolds, who we're speaking to the day after the US election. So, of course, there will be thoughts about that. But more importantly, we have come up with a movie that screams hit for Adam Sandler. Great to catch up with Gareth, and I'm wrapped he had time and the energy to appear on the podcast today. Before we launch properly into the podcast, remember to keep the 13th of December free, 5pm Eastern Standard Time, for our live Big Squid Fomus show, with guests including Rove McManus, Cal Wilson, Richard Fardler, Merrick Watts, Georgia Mooney, Alex J, and Ben Elwood. We're going to get together to help you enjoy Christmas in a different way. So let me put it this way. If you would rather celebrate Baby Yoda than Baby Jesus... This will be the show for you. You can see us live at Giant Dwarf in Surrey Hills, or you can stream us into your home anywhere in the world. Oh, look, we want to keep the streaming aspect of this show viable. It's a very expensive thing to do, and it's very expensive for Giant Dwarf to put on. So we're trying to keep the cost down for you. But if you'd like to encourage other people who you think might enjoy the show, please do so, because we'd like to keep doing this. We'd like to build on it, and we'd like to definitely be giving you different types of choices in entertainment coming into uh, 2021. It's going to be a fun show. You can find details at our Big Squid Facebook page or over at the Giant Dwarf page, giantdwarf.com.au. But most importantly, put the date 
in the diary. We'd love to have your company for the show. And it's also going to be quite interactive. So especially if you're online, you'll be able to write questions in the chat that will then be passed on to the acts who will be on stage. Before we bring Gareth in, two things I wanted to share with you that I've been enjoying in recent times. First up, I watched the Mr. Bungle live stream on the weekend. If you haven't heard of Mr. Bungle before, they're a band fronted by Mike Patton. And it's a band that also cycles through all sorts of different musical genres, from heavy metal to disco to spaced out jazz. Uh, To give you an example, listen to the differences between some of these songs, right? So here is a track from their first album. This song is called Travolta. And have a close listen. It sounds like you're attending a carnival while uncertain if the space cake you took is giving you a great or hellish time. Then have a listen to this song, Chemical Marriage. It's off the second album, and it sounds like it's being played in a lounge bar in a David Lynch movie. Now have a listen to this song from their third album. This song is called Vanity Fair, and this sounds like the music you'd be listening to while waiting for Satan to call you into his office. See what I mean about the diversity in all three of those tracks? I I love them and have seen them live a number of times, and each concert barely resembles what I've seen before. In particular, I love Mike Patton. I believe he's a true genius who allows his muse to take him where he wants to go, and he doesn't bow down to expectations. Does he sometimes make music I'm not quite as interested in? Absolutely. But those choices are true artistic choices, and I respect that even if the latest work isn't what I'm into. I'm always curious to listen, even if it's just to keep up with where he's at. The latest iteration of Mr. Bungle has, of course, defied expectations, and they got back together after a long time apart, like a couple of decades. The latest iteration of Mr. Bungle has defied expectations and re-recorded their 1986 thrash metal demo, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, alongside some hardcore cover songs from the era. They've brought in ex-drummer for Slayer Dave Lombardo and guitarist Scott Ian from Anthrax. This is a modern thrash classic, and with Patton, Trace Brewis, and Trevor Dunn filling out the rest of the band, it is also somehow 100% Mr. Bungle. I'm fascinated by any musicians that can diversify their songs, but still sound true to themselves as well, and recognisable at the same time. That's just amazing to me. Now, I'm not necessarily a thrash metal fan, but I have dabbled in the past, and since it was Mr. Bungle, I was more than up for checking out what they had to produce. The two-hour show was a masterpiece. It was one of the best shows I've seen online with the production values looking like I was watching a Blu-ray disc. It was part music concert, part documentary, and also a comedy show at the same time. They had Neil Hamburger opening the concert with his routine, and his commitment to his act makes him one of the all-time great comedians. I've seen him open for Mr. Bungle and Faith No More with crowds in equal parts laughing and booing him. But the great thing is the people booing because he's making awful jokes, that makes the people who are enjoying him laugh even more. It makes the gig funnier. And I know he's an acquired taste. And I have to be honest, now and again, he's popped up and I thought, oh, no, I'm not into this. But I just think he's pretty funny, and if you're on board with the act, you can laugh and wince at the jokes at the same time. They're they're designed to be enjoyed in that way. 
Uh, the band opened with the Mr. Rogers theme, Won't You Be My Neighbour, before leaping into the first full-on thrash song, Anarchy Up Your Anus. <laughs> That's what I love about Mr. Bungle. They are virtuoso musicians and talent who are completely funny. And often, even when you're listening to a song, they're delivering two, three, four sets of emotions with with each track. You can you can be horrified and be laughing and be weirded out and feel completely comfortable all at once. They're also super smart. And the way they've put this concert together was fantastic because, like, as an example, with each song finishing, rather than just standing there awkwardly while we watch the band prepare for the next song, we'd cut to the reaction of a lone celebrity audience member, like literally someone sitting by themselves clapping. And there were all these great cameos. I think the Henry Rollins cameo itself was worth the price of, of admission on its own. Uh, but other cameos included Josh Homme and uh Eric Andre, it was really funny stuff. The songs themselves were ferocious, and they even finished with a cover of the Van Halen song, Loss of Control, which was just a great way to end the concert. And to think this was all filmed at the Eureka Main Library in California, which is just another fun fact to add to this amazing experience. Mr. Bungle might not be to your taste, and thrash metal is quite possibly definitely something you are not going to want to listen to in these challenging times. But I found the music and the concert not only one of my favourite experiences of the year, but I also found it to be quite cathartic. The main lesson I take from this, though, is that these guys are in their early 50s and they haven't lost their edge, their sense of humour or their ability to challenge themselves artistically. And that is something I personally want to hold on to and lean into as I head towards the big 5-0. I don't want to be one of those comedians you see shilling the Melbourne Cup or forgetting what it's like to be anything but a caricature of your on-stage persona. I got into this world to be creative and I hope I can continue to make work that is true to me, just like the output of Mike Patton and his Mr. Bungle cohorts is true to them. I don't know if you'll be able to get a copy of it. It was streamed live and you were able to watch it for a little while. But if not, maybe check out the live album or just go to YouTube. There's some uh, live concerts there that you will really enjoy. With that, let's just move from thrash metal to the written word. Uh, since I'm enjoying reading these John Cheever short stories, I wanted to share another one with you. And that would make it a total of three so far. And I reckon once you get to three of something, it's turning it into a segment. So a couple of podcasts back, I asked you for a suggestion on what you think this segment should be called. And a few days later, I was on Twitter and... UK author Sarah Bennett and I accidentally workshopped a name, so we now have a pun that has genuinely made me very happy in these stressful times. So, not only do I have a title for it, I've made an opener. It's time to slip on the smoking jacket, sip on a martini and smoke a cigarette. It's time to Uber Achiever. Sometimes you just have to entertain yourself. And I did. Anyway, 
The latest John Cheever short story I wanted to speak to you about is called The Cure, which on the surface is a story about a man attempting to cure himself from a marriage that is drenched in disaster. The narrator's wife has left him for the second time, taking their three children with her. He sets up a routine where he can ride out his recovering time throughout the summer and do his best to avoid the phone in case his wife calls for reconciliation. Unfortunately, as the day stretches into night and the narrator finds himself incapable of sleeping, he notices that he has a peeping Tom who is appearing at his window to have a look at him, to spy on him. Night after night, this person appears and soon the narrator's life steps into a world that makes you wonder, what is actually happening here and how much of this is true? I found myself reading the works of John Cheever after my last rewatch of the TV series Mad Men, and Cheever's work was often referred to as an inspiration for that TV series, so I was curious to see how that could play out. And this short story in particular feels very much like a blueprint for the emotional journey that Don Draper would go on at certain points in Mad Men. This is a story about a man who lives in two worlds, the suburbs and the city, but he also lives during the day and at night. And this is a man who lashes himself to a routine while constantly telling himself this is the only way forward. There's a dark foreshadowing for where he may find himself, but is there a possibility that he can find himself before he gets there and avoid this seemingly inescapable future that lingers on the edge of the horizon? This feels like an almost supernatural story. Not not necessarily dripping in horror, but the uneasiness of the supernatural. And it's one that is a particular feeling that haunts the suburbs, which you can get a feel for in this passage. That night, a big thunderstorm broke right in the middle of the movie, and it rained until morning. I guess the storm kept Tom at home, because I didn't see him or hear him. But he was back the next night. I heard him come at about three and leave about an hour later, but I didn't look up from my book. I reasoned that he was probably a harmless nuisance, and that if I only knew who he was, that if I only knew his name, his ability to irritate me would be lost, and I could peacefully resume the schedule of my cure. I went upstairs with the question of his identity still on my mind. I was pretty sure that he came from the neighbourhood. I wondered if any of my friends or neighbours had a cracked relative staying with them for the summer. I went over the names of everyone I knew, trying to associate with them some eccentric uncle or grandfather. I thought that if I could disengage the stranger from the night, from the dark, everything would be alright. Do you see what I mean about that hint of the otherworldly? This is another fascinating read, and I'd prefer not to really add any more thoughts to it in case you're keen to read it yourself. I'll check in down the road with more John Cheever short stories for you, but if you're looking for one to kick it off, this is uh, probably only about eight or nine pages. It's not very long at all, and it's a, it's a great tale, and I'd be curious to know what you think happens at the end. And from here, I'll do some more John Cheever stories as I, as I get to them in uh, my The Stories of John Cheever book, and... Look, I'll just keep doing this as a segment because I enjoy interpreting them for you and reading them and suggesting them. But I also have a little opener for the segment that I'd like to use more. I reckon that's a good enough reason, right? (laughs) 
Okay, let's bring in comedian Gareth Reynolds, who I'm sure you all know as either the hilarious comedian, the co-host of The Dollop, or Jose's owner, Gary. Let's bring him in now. You might be excited to know that at this precise moment, at 9.30am on a Thursday here in Australia, I have seven people who have offered to marry you, and so you can move to Australia and and get citizenship as quickly as possible. And that's a pretty good number. That's it's not bad. And like that's from five text messages. I've got seven pledges. Oh wow. (laughs) Oh Jesus. Wow. That's so if we did a full campaign, we could potentially and I know a lot about campaigning. I'm an American citizen. But I could uh I like this. Well you guys that your Australia has got more and more appealing through the coronavirus. It's sort of just like now I'm sort of like, oh, got that those sweet curves I miss over there, you know? You know, it's crazy that I saw you in January. Like, we were hanging out in January, and how many years ago does that feel? <laughs> it feels it feels like four years ago. No joke. I mean, that it doesn't even feel real. I, I, was, I had to, like, go through, like, some travel stuff to organize some stuff. And I was looking at that, and I was like, that was this, this year. That happened. It's ludicrous. Sitting in that bar as your mate just Ugh. kind of chilled out to such an extent he poured beer all over the table. He was <laughs> not even sure what he was trying to do, but it was sort of like, it's like, remember how Gary Larson, the guy who did the Far Side comics, made the mugs that would say uh, imbeciles of America and it was upside down <laughs> so that you're, the intention was that you would turn your coffee mug upside down to read it properly? Yeah. It was it, almost like he was doing, like he just started to pour beer on his face a little. And we were like, hey, hey, buddy, hey, <laughs> you might have eaten too much pot over there. <laughs> well, that was a problem. Why are you eating yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a slow release. Uh, how are you going with the election stuff? Because I got up early to make sure that I was on top of everything and had some stuff that I could ask you. And every 15 minutes, I kept crossing stuff out because it's changing yeah. so rapidly. And I, how are you feeling at this point, having Trump declare he's won with Biden seemingly comfortably ahead? Um, it's interesting because it's, it certainly is one of like the two scenarios you kind of played out in your head and you sort of knew that Trump would in some capacity dispute it or, um, yeah, claim victory or, you know, some version of that. It's just interesting. It's, it's always, that's the thing that's been happening in this country because it's been failing so much. You can predict a lot of it, but you just can't see the specifics. So it's very interesting to sort of see the specifics of this one, the way that he is now declaring that recounts need to stop after declaring that he'd won. Um, As of now, it looks like Biden will win and Trump will Trump will Trump. And uh, we don't really know necessarily what that will look like. But um, you already have people outside of the Michigan uh, outside of where they're counting votes in Michigan and Detroit protesting. So you know, I think we're definitely going to, if this sticks and we sort of follow the trajectory we're on, yeah, I think you'll see the kind of um, reaction that we kind of expected from Trump supporters, which is that they're going to be pissed. They're going to be pissed and they're going to believe that that something uh, unlawful happened, if it did or if it didn't. And it doesn't appear like it. It appears that this election was just so bizarre 
and um, they had to count. They had to count mail-in ballots because the rules of this country's elections are just bananas. Oh, it's insane to try and get your head around it. Like, yeah. just as you start to kind of get a grip on something, another law comes in from the left, and you go, "Well, hang on, what's this? Like, why is this it's, even here?" It's like when I watch Australian rules football, <laughs> and I'm like, "I get it," and then like something happens, I'm like, "Wait, what the hell's that?" And someone's like, "Oh, he could do that." I'm like, "I didn't know he could do that." You know, like there's just. There's always some rule lurking, some shady rule lurking behind. Just, just like, hey, I'm weird. But, but, but the problem with our country is that we have 50 different states. Yeah. And they, they just, there's not one law. There's not really just like a unified law, which has sounded really appealing for most of the time that America's been a thing. And then in the last like, decade, it's been like, yeah, this is a bad idea. That's a really um, good metaphor about AFL, though. But at least with AFL, like... Having rules that are open to interpretation is fine for sport, but it shouldn't be for an election. No, no, and it, well, and 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 I mean, in this country, those are—I mean—that's essentially your judges, and that's in our country now. I mean, it's just there. There is really no reality in this country anymore. It's—we're all just kind of beholden to the spectacle of government that is, you know, it's just like a firework factory that caught on fire. It's—it's it's just you're never it. it it continues to alienate the citizens of this country more and more. And at some point we're going to have to turn that anger towards the government instead of at each other. But we're still just caught in this phase where, where instead of saying, Hey, we actually agree on like a lot of huge things. We are now at this point and, and Trump is Trump can be a puppet master so simply. And um, anyone with character would, not want to cause violence, but Trump doesn't mind. I mean, you know, we've had, you know, 250,000 people die of the coronavirus here. Like the, that dying in this country doesn't mean what it did a year ago. It makes no sense. Like that to me was, well, that was the, the t- kicker for me because I remember going into the last election. I just, I just had an awful feeling about it, even though I watched Hillary as a performer, uh, do such a great job and quite clearly, regardless of how you feel about her politically, technically the most uh, logical... A polished politician. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. With, with this, it's like, well, if you have 250,000 deaths and you just do simple math and go, well, each one of those people probably knew 100 people and, you know, the trickle-out effect from that and then even get really really full on with it and say, well, let's even cut it in half by 50% that still don't believe Trump's done something bad. That's still a lot of people that you would feel would be voting against him. And it's still, from a from a distance, it looks like that hasn't been the case. It feels like Biden could win and you could still feel like shit because it feels like a, a moral defeat. Yeah, I, I people, I mean... You know, people definitely were starting to say the whole thing is that, you know, you want to rebuke all of the stuff that's I mean, you really do. You want to just send a clear message that we recognize how damaging not only he is, but our government is. And and this way that we operate is just it doesn't make any sense. It's we our government represents the wrong people most of the time. And there's just crumbs that they split for the rest of the people. And, um, you know, to really have to, 
you know, to, to have to sit here and kind of watch it all fall apart in slow motion, but also so quickly, I just don't know how the da- the damage is, is greatly done to this country because, you know, we, ha- we now have, we now have vocal wings of each party that are just in a cult. I think, I think the people who support Trump are, you know, they support Trump for reasons that I understand. It's just the idea that he's the problem solver makes no sense to the narrative. You know, how you think a guy who was born with millions of dollars is going to bring back blue collar jobs or, you know, really whatever it is that it's just, it's theater. And, um, but yeah, the idea that it is this close is, um, I mean, you know, not surprising, but you're constantly even like you're, you're, that's the phase we're in where we're prepared for the bad news. We see it coming. And then when it comes, you're still sort of shocked by it. And, um, and that's just the state we've been living in for years now. Um, and I, I, again, I mean, who knows how this all plays out. I, it's definitely not going to be simple, but it's not over. People who think that because Trump goes, it, it doesn't end the problems in this country. The problems in this country are systemic, unfortunately. I wish it was that easy. Yeah, you know? absolutely. The, the, the thing about the right-wing conservative throughout history, and this is on important subjects, and also, realistically, just things that aren't important, know how to take things that were initially important and turn them into something that works for them. So as an example, political correctness, when it first came along, was really important, and it was really good, and it really helped break down a lot of barriers, and then eventually it got co-opted and it got moulded into this thing where now it's shorthand for someone who can't take a joke, you know? And and that's, totally. and that's what Trump's done with... He's taken the the sentiment of that you have to fix the government and you have to weed out the corruption, and he's taken all of that and he's used it as part of his narrative. So everyone goes, yeah, that's great. And you go, yeah, but it's him. He's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, fake news was the one that... I remember when I saw him calling things fake news that I went, oh, shit, that's going to be very advantageous, isn't it? And then you just see, uh, you know, Duarte and other dictators just like, what, killing people? That's fake news. What are you, you're just like, oh, God damn it. No, because there was actual fake news. Um, so, yeah, you, you really cannot, it, it, it is exactly what keeps happening is that, they find way like healthcare. I mean, anything. They find ways to take legitimate problems, pretend they're solving them while they're lining their pockets, and and it just keeps happening. I mean, it happens over and over again. And I think the problem in this country is that the left, uh, the liberals, really refuse to look at the deficiencies in that party, and and I as much as I have, I could never really understand liking Donald Trump as a president in any way. I used to watch the apprentice and I used to really like that show. My mother and I used to watch it every fucking week. We used to watch the apprentice. Like, so I understand being enamored with the guy in a position of power. I'll never empathize with agreeing with what he's doing now, but I also feel extremely alienated, not as much, but by the left in this country, by the democratic party, I feel extremely alienated from and, you know, if they do eke this out, um, it should be nothing more than a warning shot again that things are really, really 
bad and you need to make some fundamental changes. Otherwise, you're going to have a worse, more polished, less Twitter, uh, less Twitter Trump, you know, soon. It's one of the things that from from a distance, one of the failures for the way the Democratic Party has dealt with Trump is that this inability to acknowledge that he has a sense of humour. And when people hear the word sense of humour or hear you calling someone funny, it you automatically think, well, I don't find him funny. And it's like, no, 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 that's not the point. That's The, the point is he has a sense of humour and he is funny to a certain amount of people and therefore sometimes when the rhetoric was going back against him, and I know it's a serious situation, they were playing into his hands because he could just make more jokes. Oh, I mean, he, he got away with just nicknaming people for two years. I mean, that pretty much worked for two years until people were like, all right, wait, that's bullshit. But he would just, anything he calls someone, they'd be like, yeah, he does that. Yeah, he's kind of a groggy guy. He is always thirsty. You know, you just be like, what? So we really have, I mean, it, it has really condensed down what, what Americans respond to and it is essentially reality TV and you know it's I've watched I've been alive long enough to watch the birth of reality television into the not being able to believe your reality Um, and that is where we are now where every day feels just like it's just exhausting I mean um, but again I Joe Biden does win it's it does not solve a lot of enormous problems that will exist still you know the things that trump run on the reason why he got elected because people are hurting in this country the the, the government does not give people money you know with outside of a pandemic when it comes to jobs or hourly wages or health care and they just don't take care of you you know most countries when you pay taxes it goes to something ours don't so we just every year we just all give away money to the government for no reason um and I just, you know, at some point that that cannot keep going. Otherwise, people are going to fucking lose it, and we're teetering. Yeah is is there is there a better choice for the Democrats going forward? If we're if if we're getting into a reality TV world, is there someone that you would think that they could co-opt into being the next uh, Democratic leader who could do a better job? Well, I think uh, the truth is, I think that I think that dramatic change is going to have to happen outside of the two-party system. So. You know, I, I think, I mean, again, I if, yes, the Democrats could nominate The Rock next election, and that would probably be a pretty good choice. Um, you know, it really would be. But that's just troubling beyond belief because, you know, the, you don't, I think we've really, our culture has gotten in this weird position where people used to be celebrated for talents or their minds. That's how you would, you know, you would get famous because you had a skill. You provided this thing. And, um, you know, whatever it was, you were an artist, you were an author, whatever it was. That's, but that's how you put your stamp on the world. You, it was like kind of furthering, like, the stimulation of people's brains and, you know, whatever it was. But now it, it, you're celebrated by how you appear. And so your appearance is what gives you a platform to get your voice out there. And that's just so backwards. That's why, you know, you should not be influenced by influencers because what's gotten them there is not necessarily skill. Like, I mean, you know, there's people like Neil deGrasse Tyson who have a shitload of Instagram followers. And yes, there's post insightful things. But outside of those sort of niche people, 
we really are being led by a bunch of empty headed plastic surgeried people. And that's gotten us here. So, you know, Americans have no interest in paying teachers and that's just very clear in how they educate themselves outside of it. There's no interest in learning. There's no interest in um, anything other than appearing to look good and have it going on. So it makes people so fucking miserable, you know, because you're constantly comparing yourself to a life that's just not real. In the influencer's defense, though, like it's really hard to get yourself off looking at uh, an Instagram photo of the periodic table. It's true. It's true. But so, so, I mean, and that's the problem. Like what, what we need is we just like, we just need like a human, like a, a human being intervention where someone's just like, Hey, you people have completely lost the fucking plot. And yes, you need cocaine for, to do whatever, but it's time to quit the drug. Like you need to put the phone down. We need to just, you know, we need to shoot the Kardashians into space. Whatever it is, we need to shut the internet down. Whatever the fuck it is, but we, you know, that's not going to happen. Hey, you've been doing a remarkable job of being in lockdown and uh, performing, and uh, especially your improvised shows. And I'm curious, where are you at physically with all of this? Because it's like, because it's on a screen and you know what it's like as a performer, it's, it often just looks like, oh, yeah, I'm just standing there and I'm thinking of things. But that's exhausting stuff, like trying to come up with new things and new angles and, and not having that immediate energy coming back at you in a room. And I'm curious to know, are you, are you fucking exhausted? <laughs> it's it's tire- I'm I mean, look, I'm very happy to be able to have enough people to make me want to do things who want to see, you know, so I, that is motivating. Yes, it's super weird to be like just standing <laughs> on a little X on your floor that you've taped, um, shouting into your computer for 90 <laughs> minutes every week about things that you don't know what they're going to be. So, um, And yeah, you definitely feed off of a crowd. I mean, how many times have you done a show where, you know, you're yawning an hour before you go? You're just you're tired. You're just tired. And you go out on stage and you don't think once about being tired. And when you're done, you're wired. Um, and that's just purely, that's adrenaline based and that's the crowd. And that's, that's what you get. And that's a big part of why you get into performing. Yeah. To not have that now it's, it sucks. I mean, it's like, it's much harder, but I do think in a way, you know, this has made me try to think of new ways to do things. And it certainly has kept me sharp in ways. And I mean, it's it it's also just very strange when you're done with a show to just close your laptop and just be alone <laughs> like okay i think i'll have a pizza you know just very normally normally we have that that drink at the bar before we're back at the hotel alone you know but this you're just immediately like well okay dokie just shouted it nothing for an hour and a half you know the croissant that Cal Wilson was telling me about doing a corporate gig and you know doing a really good job and then she stopped it, turned around, opened the door, and there's her son saying, I need a sandwich. <laughs> She's like, yep, okay, well, I'm back to being a mum. <laughs> that quickly, didn't even get the drive home. <laughs> no, it's, I, I always, I've always thought, I remember one time when I opened for Patton years ago, and it was like the craziest thing I'd ever done was like open in a theatre for Patton Oswalt. And then 
a half hour after this crazy night, I was at the Best Western watching ESPN eating combos. And I was like, this is such a weird dichotomy of existence. I had opened for Will at the Sydney Opera House and like an hour later was on Oxford Street in Sydney eating onion rings by myself thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm winning. I know. I think that all the time when I like do, you know, in the real world when it exists, doing gigs and just, you know, it's just, it, it just, it, you look like you're someone. And then moments later, you are just such a loser. You know, just so soon after the spike of adrenaline and the rush, you are just a person who's like, I think I'll just drink a Heineken in the room alone. <laughs> That's cool. On the scratchy quilt. I've loved the videos, and I don't know if you've realized, but the starts have become, they were starting to get into this real kind of David Lynch, Twin Peaks, the return surrealness of when they would be starting. And the, that was almost part of my favorite. My uh, my uh, Gareth's thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, you mean when I had music? Yeah. It's gone through a It's really for under a year, there has been so much like, morphing and growth and what i've learned from doing that but yeah it started out just so weird it's so it's good still weird but i mean yeah no for a while i would just dance yeah i mean that's why you know it's something i mean again like i'm i'm lucky in the sense that i i'm dying to perform and you know my life is totally affected by it but i i don't have to get out right now to go do shows you know and so um but i mean you just miss it on the base level of I mean, you get so spoiled. You, you know how it is. You complain about these things. And then when you really look at your life, you go, I, I just, what am I, why do I complain ever? You know, I remember when I was like working on uh, Arrested Development and I was touring through Australia and I was like, Ugh, I am just swamped. I'm over. And it's like, you know, you really have to condition your brain to recognize dire times when they're dire. Otherwise, you're just going to constantly spoil yourself by saying, "Ugh, life's so hard and believe it. And this, this time has really shown me. And I think a lot of people that what matters, you know, the things that matter are so simple. Um, it's company, it's human interaction. I mean, that's what stand up is in ways or performing in any way. We're all there, you know, like the idea that the crowd is not imperative to the experience of stand up comedy, you know, it all is intertwined and just you miss it it's simple but you miss it the simplicity of these hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I mean, think about doing a show on a shitty night at a club. I would, I mean, I would 
go blow myself back in time to have that ability to do that again, you know? Ah, that is the next Nolan film I want to see. (laughs) The Dark Knight Lowers. It's so true, though, isn't it? I wonder if there is this uh, shorthand for comedians where, because we often are working in small increments of time, as in performance, etc., there became this kind of weird shorthand where you had to kind of complain about how busy you were to somehow justify that you have a career in something that's not eight hours a day, five days a week. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it certainly... It, I Well, you know what I always think about is how... The, like if you're on the road and you're in a hotel the day of the show, you really have nothing to do. But I will find ways to be like, oh, I just don't have enough time to do everything. I, and you have nothing to do. I mean, you, your job starts at seven. And you're, I mean, re- that's and you do it so short, like you're saying. And you're just like, ugh, my job. It's like, you don't have a job. You just have, yeah, you, you like have play dates with audiences. But but also sometimes you can do stuff and and be so busy that when you get on stage you're just not quite as optimally sharp you know oh for sure i def i mean you know you i definitely have had points where i've thought i'm doing too many things and it's costing the experience of some of them you know but um i i think the truth is you're you're when you when you start in this business like you're so starved to get somewhere that you just say yes to everything. I still yeah. say yes to everything. I'm like, yes, I'll do it. Yes. And then there are times when you go, oh, why am I doing this? I don't need to do this. You know, I think probably once every year I fall into like shooting something for someone. And I'm like, how did I agree to do that? My week, <laughs> how did I give up a Saturday and a Sunday for this fucking nightmare where I have 80 shirts in my car? I'm just, this is, oh God, you know, how did this happen? Uh, yeah, I'm really bad at that as well. It's uh, always, like, to, to the extent, like, I l- literally had to make a decision to just not work on anyone else's shows anymore. Like, yeah. especially, you know, in Australia, everyone's writing a stand-up show every year. And yeah. I always just tried to treat young comics the way I hoped, you know, or wished that I'd been treated when I was first starting out. So to them. Yeah, like every every one of them, and I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me, I'm 22. <laughs> it's killing good. me. But I people would say, "Can you look at my script?" And I'd say, "Yeah, no worries." And you oh, yeah. read it, and then they'd send three more through, and then and then you'd be getting towards festival time, and you suddenly look at your schedule, and this isn't anyone's fault but mine. But it'd be like, hey, Monday morning, I'm catching up with this comic to talk about his show. Then I'm catching up with this one for lunch to talk about their third draft of their show. And then suddenly you're frazzled before the festival begins because you now you have to go and watch all of these shows to give notes because people have asked for your help. And it gets to a point oh, where you have man. to say, yeah. I, just, I just need to say no, not because yeah. of anything other than keeping my own sanity. Yeah, I mean, I think you're a nice guy, you know. I mean, that that's that is what happens. And I think, I think when you become, uh, when you get older too, yeah, you do want to like help people that are younger, and you know, uh, that that is very important. But yeah, I mean, those the fact that you guys write a new uh, one hour, one person show a year is is nuts. It, it's always been something that I'm like, that's just so crazy. 
Oh, you know, in hindsight, I completely agree with you. And because it was indoctrinated that that's what you do. Yeah, you're just... You, you just do it, but... It's the prison you were born into. That, but the fact is, I look back at routines that I came up with the idea, I workshopped it for six months, dropped it into a show, and then had a brief window of being able to just do club gigs. And then that routine was gone. And you know what it's like. The more you perform a routine, the funnier it gets. Oh, yeah. And then you're looking back at something going, I reckon if I'd done that for two years, that would have been killer. I, I, I there's, you know, there's stuff off of the, my album that I will, you know, when you're out just for a change up, you'll do. Yeah. And there are new jokes I've added to stuff since every, and I'm like, well, God damn it. There's just, there are like <laughs> new moments in this joke that are just so much better than what's actually on the album. Yeah, you know, but you're you're pissed. I remember one time I gave a buddy of mine a tag. He he had I can't remember what it was exactly, but he was talking about Grand. He was in Grand Theft Auto, and he was in his town for Grand Theft Auto, right where he lived in downtown L.A. And he like found his apartment, and um and I was like, oh, you should say that you break the door down and find yourself playing Grand Theft Auto in your apartment. And he's like, dude, I record my album a month ago. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> And somehow you're the bad guy. Yeah, you're like, oh, no, it's really good, though. The version you did is really good. It's a really good version. Yeah. Pulls out a baseball bat, starts beating you, gets into yeah. a car, drives <laughs> off. You invent a time machine. Yeah, but um, no, it's it's true. I mean, that's, that's what you guys do. I mean, you think of Will. Like, I mean, I'm constantly just astounded at the amount that he has. I mean, it's just – it's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts here. Here, if you do a new hour, you know, every eighteen months or two years, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, the goats do one a year, but um, but you know, it's I think you just you do you need that time to develop the shit and really find it. It just takes time. Yeah, I, I also think there's just been some routines in the past that if I'd had an extra two weeks to think about it rather than a deadline, yeah. I would have gone. You know what? I actually don't think yeah. this works. Yeah. I, or, or I think, have you know when you've written a routine and it's and it's working fine, but you kind of after a while go, I don't really think this represents me. I think this is just a jumble of funny ideas that I've put into a good shape, but it's not yeah. really me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you know you have those. I think that that is one of the things that's, you know, it's like you just also have to do dumb shit. There's there's certain stuff where like. You know, like my manager will go like, yeah, but that's not. And I go, I know it's dumb, but I, sometimes dumb is just fun. Yeah. It's sometimes just it dumb. just needs to be stupid and just funny. Short and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And dumb. I mean, that's what, one of my favorite things is when a comedian laughs at something they said and go, it's so dumb. Because it's just like, it's dumb. We just, you know, this country loves the dumb. <laughs> well, if you're not careful, you could end up in a position of power. So, <laughs> <laughs> imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what have you been doing to uh, consuming to kind heroin. of keep sane? It's all heroin. Oh, finish your question. Sorry, I didn't, no, I that's there. fine. Okay, you look remarkably good for someone who's taken up a smack habit. Well, listen, that's a beauty of smack. People go, "What's your secret?" And you go, "Carbs," and then it's junk. <laughs> it's been junk the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and shooting up carbs. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> one arm for the carbs, one arm for the junk. The yeah. <laughs> so on on the weekend, I watched the uh, 
one of the most cathartic things I've done since uh, the the whole COVID experience, which was the live streaming Mr. Bungle show, where oh, wow. they they're just doing their their first album. It was oh, only I ever really, uh, that album is amazing. Yeah. Oh no, no, not not the not uh, the album which revolted the home demo which is just a thrash metal thing, which you could only find on cassettes and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And uh, I did a little review earlier for this podcast, and it was it was really funny, like really funny. Neil Hamburger opened. Oh, God. Yeah, and, I think he is so funny. And Neil Hamburger opening, like, it's the first time I've ever seen him perform without him being uh, yelled at, and it was even I know. funnier. I, I mean, that guy irritates people on a level that it's just amazing to watch. Yeah. So I've seen him opening for Faith No More and, you know, half the oh, crowd. Oh, really? Is, so he and Mike Patton must be fans or something. Yeah. And, friends, I mean. And watching half the audience boo him and yelling yeah. at him to get off and that just fueling the other half of the audience that's getting it. Have you ever opened for a musician? Uh, yes, actually. When I started off in uh, the comedy duo, uh, the Bunza Boys, back in the 90s, we opened for Adelaide Legacy punk rock clown band, the Clowns of Decadence, and used to tour with them. And Quite an answer. Yes. And when I look back on it, I uh-huh. often think, how the fuck did you do that? Because <laughs> I have heaps more skills than that duo, and I would not do that. But back then, we did. <laughs> Saying yes to whatever gigs come your way. Yeah, it's I. I toured with a musician for a few weeks once, and uh, he very much had a like an audience that was probably not in line with the people who would find me funny, and it was very very interesting working the open for the musician act versus the like what I would normally do. You know, where you're like, okay, uh, how long yeah. do you have to do? How long? Fifteen, like right around fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that's heat. But but you know just. It's, it's a yeah, it's a tough, it's a very I mean, very tough situation. It's good because it makes you better at figuring out, you know, cracking the puzzle, which is the goal, really. But I certainly uh, was had many times where I could literally like hear someone be like, "When does the when does Eric come on, like, Miss?" It's not a bad sign that I can hear you whisper complaining to your husband during half what I feel in my head. What I would call the momentum is building. <laughs> It's so polite too. That's the worst thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You just you know those shows where you hit a punchline and you can just hear someone's cup hit the table and you're like, well, that's not good. <laughs> I shouldn't be able to hear a cup. <laughs> not even in anger. Just <laughs> no. So some trying to be cool. There's a coaster beneath. Yeah, yeah. the pillow for the bass. <laughs> I heard it clearly. Oh man! But uh, watching uh, Mr. Bungle was really cathartic because it was just because I've got members of uh, Anthrax in the band, and it's just them going really hard and just sitting there having it straight into my eyes and into my ears. And at the end of this two-hour concert, I was like, "Oh, I feel really good." And it was straight to bed for a nine eyes. <laughs> and has there has there been anything that you've been consuming that's been uh, your go-to to to keep sane? Uh, there's a number of things. I mean, I, you know, I really don't, I'm not, I'm not good at watching scripted shows. Um, it takes, there's shows that people will be like, this is the best show. And I'll watch two episodes and I'll go, you know what? I really think it is pretty good. It's just not for me. Um, you know, like Breaking Bad was the last show where I was like, yes, this leads, this is legit. Uh, as far as like people telling you to watch something. Um, but I have watched what we do in the shadows as far as a scripted show. 
And that show is just so funny, and so the cast is so fucking good. Um, that has broken my yeah. That's made me be like, oh, there's some scripted stuff I still do enjoy. Um, that that show is phenomenal, and there's and I reckon it's all in the. I think there's some really small choices that they make that really yeah. makes it different. Like the fact that the, uh, you know, uh, the Naja and Laszlo really love each other and it's such a small yeah. thing, but they're really into each other and yeah. they're always backing one another. And that's just a, just a nice gentle dynamic that is just fresh and brings yeah. different types of comedy to the fore. I also really like the way that the guy Colin is an energy vampire <laughs> and he just sucks people's energy instead of blood. And he's just like a regular human, but it's just an energy drain. Uh, that, that to me, when I saw that, I was like, that's a very funny thing to put in your first episode, but will that be funny forever? And, and you're just like, holy shit, they found a way to make it just continually funny. Like he is funny all the way through the first season. And then when you get uh, to that second season and the episode uh, that essentially centers around him, Oh, when he's oh. having that battle. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very funny. But also, it's just very, it's getting goofier too, but it's like working very well. Well, there's also the, it, it's funny because it, it's such a funny concept and it's such a, as you, as you said, I had the same reaction, which is how are you going to keep this going? Like, how are you going to keep this kind of joke going? And the fact that it, it's also a bit tragic because he is kind of desperate for company, but he's an energy vampire. Yeah. So even yeah. when he's trying to do the right thing, yeah. Yeah. he's feeding on them. Yeah. Yeah. And he annoys the other vampires. Um, so that show, and then I, I watch a lot of like garbage reality TV. Right. Uh, there's a show that I started, I worked with this girl and she just casually mentioned the show called life after lockup. And I was like, what? And she just explained it. It's basically a prisoner meets someone on the outside and they start filming when they get together right on the outside. And that has set me off in this whole world of after lockup shows where I now just watch these people, one person on the outside meets someone in prison and then they film their lives trying to get to know each other. And it's just pretty train wreckery. And I am in. I can't help myself. I don't, I'm probably not a good person for how much I'm like, this This really completes me. I have to be honest, when you first said it, I was like, oh, so after the pandemic, two people go out. No, it's literally people in prison meeting someone. It's, it's, it shows you how hard it is to meet somebody because the concessions that people will make, it's just, it's crazy. Like these are normal people, men and women. All colors, all, you know, gay, straight, they, they are, they have decided that because it's so hard to actually meet someone good, that a situation is where someone is fully contained is perfect for you. And then when they come out, you're going to shepherd them into the, the real world. And it's just, it's nuts. It's just nuts. So this is, this is where the, the sequel to Shawshank can go. Yes, yes. That's right. Yeah, it's Tim, yes. Tim Robbins it's and Morgan Freeman. Andy Dufresne. Yeah, yeah, double dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told Andy to pass this out. Unfortunately, he spilled it and didn't throw any over his shoulder. Um, 
So that show. Hang on, I, I need to ask one more question. With the with that show, what's 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 the common issue with with couples when they finally get to hang out? Interesting. You'll find that a lot of these people who have criminal pasts uh, are prone to gravitate towards their criminal past, or are just not ready for a relationship because they've been locked up for five years. And now that they're out, they're like, I want to go see my friends and do stuff. And the other person's like, well, we're getting married. Like, that's the concept. The other person, they're always like, we're getting married as soon as you get out. So, and it's like family members are like, Diane, what are you doing? She's like, you don't know. I'm like, I do. Okay. Everybody relax. It's like, Diane, what is your problem? I mean, and it's just, it's, it's just an alar- it's just alarming decision making and i and we get to watch the fruits of it it's tough it's tough it's really telling me that i'm really not working hard enough to meet someone <laughs> you're a catch this is what i need you to learn you are a catch and by the way i there's seven girls here who will marry you if you want to move to the greatest country on earth right oh, now really that's great yeah yeah, yeah. life after hammo <laughs> I'd be I'd be so scared that I'd watch that and each one of them had really kicked on. I was like, ah, oh, damn, I was the one holding them back. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. They invented the iPhone. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it does. It makes me think that too. I'm like, how, how is it so goddamn hard to meet people and these – Yeah, I think I might just go to jail to meet somebody just on the outside. I think that might be the move. Well, that that sounds like an Adam Sandler movie waiting to happen. He's desperate to meet someone, so he commits a crime so he can finally get onto some weird jail dating (laughs) dating site that won't have him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Till life do us part. (laughs) Till life do us part. Absolutely. All right. Where do we sign? I'm ready to make it. I'm ready. I'll send you a DocuSign. We just do it on our phones. <laughs> he'll make it too. I, he'll ma- I think he's, we already started production. Jennifer Aniston, without makeup. I can smell an Oscar, especially for 2021. Yes, once, when they're back, when they exist again. <laughs> when, when, when things are filmed. When the seven movies country. that have been released, like New Mutants will be up for Best Picture <laughs> just oh, through like default. It's be a great year to be at the Oscars. This is a great year to have. You're like, holy shit, we're in contention. <laughs> Imagine, uh, imagine you know, when the Oscars uh, expanded how many you could uh, have in the best picture category. Imagine this year you don't make it. They, or this year they don't have enough. They have to do five again. Unfortunately, this year we have to go to five because six films were made. God damn it. How did I not get in? Till Life Do Us Part is a good movie. It's a really good film. It's a great film. It's, it's not the best film, but it was released which says a lot about it. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston isn't wearing makeup. This is Come on. an Oscar-worthy movie. Get on board, people. <laughs> and I won't keep you for too much longer because I'm guessing that you're pretty exhausted. Have you, have you spoken to Dave? Is he all right? Oh, Dave and I spoke for four hours last night while we did a live stream. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, what I meant was since the live stream. Uh, we, we talked a little bit after the live stream and then we've just been texting today, but, um, you know, he really is like, he just knows his shit. Like I, I'm very lucky to have contact, constant contact with someone who really knows their shit on this level because I knew the reality last night, but he was like tethering me to earth of like, no, the the whole thing is they're going to have to catch. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, (laughs) 
he was fired up last night. Um, and I think like myself is feels the temporary relief of right now, but is hoping that, you know, this just, this, this is not, but Joe Biden is not going to solve the problem with this country. And, um, we just do not have a lot of time to actually fix a lot of things. So I think, don't worry, Dave's Twitter won't slow down. If anything, I'd say he's been slow. I think he and I have both probably tried to pull back a little bit. I mean, I only speak for myself, but just pull back a little bit on the negativity towards the Democratic Party for a minute, just because it felt like, you know, there, there is this threat with Trump where it's like, you know, that if you're, if you're gay or, uh, or transgender, it does, it does have, uh, there, you know, there is res this just Trump, Trump is worse in that way. And that's enough yeah. to say, get the fuck out. Let's at least stabilize that situation. But we have many, many other holes in the dam, you know, but, um, I recorded a podcast with, uh, Will Anderson last night for FOFOP that's coming out oh, pr wow. probably in the next couple of days. And the first 15 minutes were, the two of us just being furious about Dave being right about shit yet again and how upset yeah. we were. And I was saying to him, the last time we all hung out together was here at my place. And on the same night, <laughs> and this will show you what a rollicking party we were having, he, <laughs> he explained to me why Barack Obama was a terrible president and why the NBA is terrible because it's rigged. And it was too much for me because I loved both and I had to make a choice on which one I would take on board. And I, I gave up Obama because I love the NBA. Yeah. I gave up Obama. Yeah, and, that's the better one. And He's done the same to me. Yeah. And so it, I was saying to Will... I would love to speak to Dave more often, but I would be scared that just, you know, in just a natural catch-up, I would say something flippant. Like, he'd be like, oh, what have you been up to? I said, oh, I went and saw Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenet. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, you know that movie and all of his movies support Jeffrey Epstein. And be like, oh, yeah. what? Yeah, he blows the whistle on a lot of things where you're like, hey, can I just have a burrito? He's like, fine, but you understand there's a concept. You're like, just shut the fuck up for a minute. That that like I like the NFL. I mean, he is constantly the NFL is already ruined for me. I don't need Dave's influence to ruin it. But it is annoying to have the person next to you's like, "Hey, remember how you're ignoring all the problems of the thing you're watching?" And you're like, "Stop doing this. Let me. I have nothing. I'm a simple man. I'm just trying to meet someone on the outside soon, <laughs> so I can finish the script. I gotta have an ending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, damn it. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's. I, I I think again. I mean, when you think about like the our podcast, like he just knows what's interesting. He just knows his shit. So he just knows he knows these things. I mean, he just does. There's certain people like that. Like my brother's a general contractor. He can he just know he has an intuition on how to do things that I'm like I most people can't. Their brains just don't work like this. Dave is a savant in a way where he just kind of understands where things are going in a way that most people just don't. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's he, – he even with this, I mean, I was saying to him for the past few weeks – I mean, we both kind of changed, I think, how we saw this election a little bit. But I was like, you know, Trump will win. He will – it'll be close or he'll do what he's doing now. But, again, seeing it, it's like Dave was like, it's, there's not much he can really do. And there really isn't. He can do what he's doing and it's going to suck. But it might not get as bad as people think, and um, he certainly 
was calling it last night when everybody on Twitter was losing their shit. He was just like, what are people talking about? Which is steadying and necessary because you can get my, my dad had the greatest election policy. He was like, will you promise to not tell me anything until something is fully known? I'm going to tune out completely. Yeah. And now that I'm on the other end of yesterday, I'm like, wow, what a great deceit. He would have lost his mind. Yeah. You know, and and instead it's like, yeah, you're going to hear some news that he will view as very positive. It, it was funny, the uh, the existential crisis on social media when you're literally just trying to find outlets to kind of follow it. And it was like, well, uh, we're two minutes into this election and everything is fucked. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, we're, this is two minutes in. Like, let's not yeah. freak out just yet. Well, well, we also got so, I, I mean, so many people were so shocked by the last election. And so now everyone is just very quick to, I mean, you know, Trump isn't playing chess. He's playing checkers. It's just frustrating to get beaten by it all the time. It feels like chess. And so a lot of times you you really look at the things he's saying or doing and you think, oh, this is really bad. And he's got, and he just doesn't have a plan it's like how he threatens a lawsuit against everybody you know in your head you go oh shit i'm gonna get sued and then you're like wait what the fuck he can't sue me what is he talking about (laughs) you know um he's yeah so yeah i don't know man he's one of a kind he he will do he's done that to multiple friends of mine we've been out we've done shows in cities where i'll have buddies and we'll go to a bar after and i'll just see him talking to a guy and someone will just be like hey man did you know you're not supposed to drink that beer whatever it is just like little thing where dave has just been like I mean, I've seen him ruin Obama for a number of people. So simply. <laughs> so simply. Like, so simply. It was halfway through before I realized it was happening. It was like the, the yeah. sharpest <laughs> knife. It's like, holy yeah. shit. He's like the David Blaine of politics. It's just the next thing you know, he's got a sword through his arm. And you're like, what the fuck? I was just walking. <laughs> Look, I, I, do, I do appreciate being informed. I will admit that. Oh, it's better. It's better. It's tough. It's tough. I think that, I mean, I think that all the time with, with the climate stuff, it's like it's a constant pain to walk around and just any joy that I feel I can damper so simply. But, um, you know, hopefully there's enough awareness that will come from that that people will actually, when it's time, be ready to make some fucking changes. Again, that, yeah. that's the reason why this, this election is a, a bit of a false victory in a lot of ways because it is good to get rid of Trump, but we're – you know, we're up against problems that are not human, um, that there's not going to be a party to run against Mother Nature. So you just, you know, Dave and I, when we're on the road, I mean, we'll just depress each other. He's he's pretty good about not, I'll, I'll he'll depress me, though. And I'll be like, oh, God. You know, as an example, I rediscovered Jeff Buckley's album, Grace, purely by chance. I thought, oh, I haven't listened to that in ages. Re-listened to it, loved it. Guess what I'm never bringing up in a conversation with Dave? Jeff Buckley. I need that album to just stay where it is in my heart and my soul. Yep. That's, uh, that's pick your spots. There's certain, yeah, there's certain things I'm like, I can't tell him I'm going there. He can't know about that. <laughs> Imagine getting, uh, bringing in your, you know, you get out of jail, you bring over your new wife. Oh, God. You know, uh, 75% of these arrangements end in divorce. Dave, <laughs> I've been... Suzanne and I are just trying to... I've been, been free for 20 minutes. I've been for 20 minutes on the outside. You're telling me my relationship's doomed. <laughs> and you're breaking your parole. God damn it. I would have loved to. <laughs> just, yeah. I just wanted to see you. 
yeah. Well, he his uh, he'll he'll tell me stuff about his kid ass sometimes, and I'm like, man, this kid is gonna be a fucking freedom fighter. I mean, there's this kid's growing up with the not like, ugh, good lord, I can't imagine. It's gonna be twenty and be like on the cover of Time. Yeah, I was about to say I could imagine uh, Dave's little fella at school explaining to all the teachers where they're going wrong. This isn't how history should be taught. That doesn't make sense in English. (laughs) No, he'll say, he'll go, Finn walked in the other day and he just goes, so everybody's lying to us, huh? Dave goes, yep. I'll text him stuff like that sometimes. I'll be like, wait, so this whole thing was just a smoke screen to make blah, 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 blah. Yep. That's all I'll get back. God, he's so calm about it. (laughs) That's it, isn't it? pissed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So entertaining, though. Yes, yes. (laughs) All at the same time. Hey, uh, I should uh, let you go. I'm guessing everyone who listens to my podcast is already across uh, everything that you do, but uh, where can people uh, check out your live shows? uh... So I do those now on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Gareth Reynolds TV is where you can find those. Actually, if you want to watch the live stream we did of live election coverage, that's still up there. Um, but there's a ton of videos and stuff like that there. And then it's social media at Reynolds Gareth. And then I have two podcasts. One's called uh, Point versus Point, which is a weird sketch debate show. And the other is the one I do with David, which is called The Dollop. And how's Jose going? He's good, man. He's passed out in his hammock right now. He's he's good. He's chill. I was thinking that this morning. Like, the it must just be nice to have, like, a bodyguard to the real world. So just because he slept, he slept the same on the pillow next to me that he did the night before that he will tonight that he will in a week. Really low stress. I wonder what stress is a cat. It's got to be like, where's that almond? I was playing with an almond. Where did it go? I've never been so goddamn stressed in all my life in all my lives. It, it definitely, uh, definitely Jose, though, like because he's looked after like there's not that would be the stress level probably gets does he get furious when you're talking to the computer doing shows and that's time taken away from him well he uh, he gets furious when i try to present him on the shows which has become a feature where i'll sort of at the end hold him up and it's just people think he hates me because i pick him up and then like hold him in front of a hot light. he's like get the fuck out of here but he's very nice outside that but uh yeah i mean i guess the truth is he's like a one percent cat though because I not only do I give him things, everyone gives him things. People send him things. And so there's the strays on the streets who are like, what the f- if they stray cats listen to this podcast, they would yeah. think I'm very insensitive. What are your stray cat numbers? They're remarkably high. Fuck. I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Can you cut this part out? I don't want to... We'll cut this out. Thank you. That you're, That's why you're the best. Thank you. Well, I don't want to get them upset. And it was, I guess... In hindsight, insensitive of us to be talking about the the have cats and the have nots and the have nots. And I mean, by have nots, I'm spelling that K N O T S. Yes, yes. Yeah, they need a brushing. Yeah, there's knots around their neck. Ah, Gareth, always good to see. A pleasure as always, man. Truly, I, I, it's so crazy to think that we were hanging out under a year ago, and I, I do think how great those th- you know it's really so simple to just miss all that shit now but i really do think about how seeing people doing having fun with other comedians i miss it and we had so many good hangs when i was there so. oh yeah it was uh, it was a lot of laughter it was a lot of um going home and sleeping solidly i, I saw a, f- <laughs> a, a, fr- a friend uh who came to the comedy store and hung uh-huh. out with us afterwards yeah yeah uh, 
you know how photos just rifle up through your Facebook memories, and there yeah. was a photo of you and Alex J together uh-huh. that was a hilarious, and B for a moment I didn't recognise either of you, and that <laughs> that is testament to the fun we were having. Yeah, I just remember like two to three beers got spilled that evening. Yeah, and that's when you're like, "Hey, we're grown ups." Kinda, just the right. Yeah, side. that's what I mean. It just exactly, yeah. Uh, well, yes. My point being, I look forward to those times again. Yeah, me too. All right. Thanks, so, don't mate. you guys go getting a case of America when it comes to COVID? Well, you know, we have done really well living on an island. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm glad I we all made this choice. Back when we were being born and we had all these options and we were and like... the English said, they said, what would a pandemic-proof nation look like? Right there. We'll ship the best of the best. Suddenly, 24 hours to London is great. I wish it was 36 hours just to make it <laughs> a little bit further away. Yeah, a little more distant. I mean, you have a lot... The ocean's your moat. It's yeah. pretty helpful. Can I, can I give you one thing to look out for when, uh, when restrictions properly lift? You be yes. careful of not getting depressed at the people who just want things to go back to normal. It's like, <laughs> I hang know. on, didn't we, haven't you all been doing yoga with Adrienne like me and centering yourself and becoming a better person? Why do you why do you want to go back to being that asshole? I know, I know. That's uh, isn't that the human predicament? Yeah, condensed down. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we will appreciate it so much. Where the fuck are the pretzels? <laughs> I want my fucking pretzels. Like we'll be back in there so fast. The cinema experience is great, though. If they, if they, if America follows what we've done, no one's allowed to sit in front of you, to the side of you, or behind you, and the cinemas are actually clean. I'll tell you what; it sounds like someone who likes to masturbate at the movies' dream, mate. It is Pee Wee. Well, I'm talking about you specifically. <laughs> oh obviously. yeah, no, I don't want to. I've paid good money for a ticket. I don't want to miss out on something that happens on the screen while I'm <laughs> concentrating on not getting anything in my popcorn. <laughs> so, I thought you said no butter. I did. Where's that guy going? Why wouldn't he want to watch the end? Because I made one. What did he say? I think he said because he made one. What the hell's he talking about? That is exactly the same conversation that happened at all six viewings of Tenet. <laughs> Congrats. I am single. All right. I will. <laughs> I will chat to you soon. Thank you, Hamo. <laughs> thank you to Gareth Reynolds for coming along and uh, hanging out with us on the podcast. Hopefully we can catch up with him again sometime soon. Uh, If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a great review on Apple Podcasts and invite some new listeners our way as we slowly build this podcast into something bigger. I think we're on the way. It's good. It's building at the right level of momentum, I think, but it can always be a little bit bigger and that will also get us into a position where we can do more with it as well. As you know, I'm working on some new segments that will be coming along soon uh, and it would just be great if I can say no to some other projects that essentially pay the bills. (laughs) Uh, Also, remember to head to giantdwarf.com.au where you can buy tickets for our faux Christmas show that you can see live at the venue or online. And the more people online, the better it is because it just costs a fortune to provide this service. And I'd, I'd love as many of you as possible to not only check in to enjoy it, but I would like it to be a viable option for everyone for future shows in 2021, especially 
if we're still not really traveling like we're probably not going to be, right? I'll be back next week, returning to our normal podcast schedule. I hope you don't mind this one coming out a little later so we could accommodate Gareth. And what a full-on 24 hours. So I thought, let's have some fun with a quote from Mike Patton. Forgive me, but Wolf Mother, you suck. (laughs) Until then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.